You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. You may have that relationship that you desire, but if you have that relationship and it takes priority over your worship and your intimacy with Jesus Christ, you will one day, one day realize it was a mistake. It was a lie. And it was so temporary. She was willing to forgo all human relationships because she wanted intimacy with her Lord, with her Savior. One of the most beautiful things about this world are the relationships that you get to have with other people. And although they can be rich and of the Lord, they can also become an idol of worship. In today's message, Pastor Danny will remind you of this. You weren't meant to do life alone, but you also weren't meant to do life without the Lord. So be careful not to let your relationships with other people become more intimate or more important than your relationship with God. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Colossians chapter 1 as he continues his message, Fragrant Worship. Jesus doesn't show back up there until they've already buried Lazarus. He's in the grave. And then Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Before that, both Martha and Mary, when Jesus shows up, say the most natural thing even to a worshiper, even to a radical worshiper like Mary. And they say to Jesus, they say to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And for a period of time, there was that perplexity of what happened? What about his word? What about him saying this sickness will not end in death? And then they go through the pain, the grief, the loss. And then they see firsthand resurrection. And it hit me last night. I don't know for sure, but could that be what moved Mary? in this extravagant act of worship, that now in light of resurrection, in light of resurrection, things look much different. And here's all I'm going to say there. But please catch it. Resurrection will answer all of our questions that we don't have answered right now. I don't have all the answers. There's a lot of things going on in our fellowship right now where people are suffering, where God's allowed certain people who really love the Lord to experience pain and loss, death, and I don't understand it. Some people who really love the Lord, I don't understand it. But in the resurrection, I will. The resurrection will answer all our unanswered and perplexing questions. I'll tell you what else resurrection will do. Resurrection will heal all of our hurts and make right all of our disappointments in this life. And I don't know if that's what it was, but I think it could have been what moved Mary. Now in light of resurrection, whatever it was, she was moved to worship the Lord in a very extravagant 
a sacrificial way. When you examine our life, there are some things that really are revealed that tell us how and why she became this kind of worshiper. And I want to share biblically what those things are. The first is simply this. Mary had ears to hear. Ears to hear. When you back up to Luke's gospel, chapter 10, you have this account, and it may be familiar to some of us, but listen to what happens here. Verse 38 of Luke chapter 10, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him, to Jesus, and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. He's talking about one thing needed for the moment. He's not saying there's not a time for service, not a place for service. That's obvious. He's saying for the moment, for the moment, only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. It's interesting, I was thinking about Luke chapter 8, where Jesus says there, be careful how you listen. And it's in the context of things given, and the things given, uh, if we have, more will be given. But if we don't, then even what we do have will be taken from us. And after that, he says, so be careful how you listen. How many times the Gospels record before Jesus would speak, he would say, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Anybody here that's not hearing me verbally, audibly, anybody not hearing me, not one hand. But you see, the thing is, when God speaks, when his word is shared, some people have ears to hear, some people don't. The letters by Jesus to the seven churches of Revelation, Revelation 2 and 3, and those seven letters and those seven messages are meant to be applied to the church age of all time. So every one of those messages, when needed, is applied to us. And after every message, here's what Jesus said. At the end of every message, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. What are ears to hear? Well, let me just say, they're not ears that are given discriminately In other words, God doesn't just grant one person ears to hear and say, well, I'm not going to grant you ears to hear. That wouldn't be fair. God wants us all to hear. It's a choice. As a matter of fact, I believe it's a series of choices that determine the hearing ear and the continuing to have a hearing ear. It's what James talked about in James chapter 1. Here's what he said. Don't merely listen to the word. Do what it says. Jesus said, now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you know more. No, you'll be blessed if you do them. Mary made a priority of hearing the word of God, of hearing Jesus. But she didn't just hear it. She did it. But it starts with making a priority of hearing, and all kind of things will get in the way. Things that need to be done. Kids, family, serving the Lord, serving in the church. And yet Mary chose above service even to the Lord, sitting at the Lord's feet and hearing His Word. Now she was able to do the Word because of the second characteristic about her life. She had a circumcised heart. She was able to continue to choose to hear God's word, but also to do it. 
What's a circumcised heart? Well, a circumcision means a cutting away. It's literally a cutting away of the flesh, cutting away of the flesh. Now, uh, for quite a while, when I would think about God and his circumcision work in my life, and Romans 2 says circumcision of the heart is of the heart by the spirit. So physical circumcision is not the thing. Physical circumcision only speaks of the work that God wants to do spiritually in our heart. Are you with me? And understand that circumcision is very personal. I don't need to get into that. Of a very personal nature. Personal nature. And I initially thought of circumcision, and rightly so, when I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and God's work of circumcising the flesh out of my life, the drug habit that I had. He cleaned that up. And he cut that away. And I allowed him to. you got to allow him to do it. My foul mouth. I had a foul mouth. I mean, the, the heart that just out of the abundance of the heart and the mouth speaking, I had a foul mouth. It's amazing how I can control it around my mother and grandmother. But around everybody else, foul. He cleaned that up. He cleaned that up first day I got saved. It was amazing. Cut it away. Cleaned it up. I let him do it. I wanted him to do it. Uh, my sexual sin, sexual immorality, purified that, and then sought to make, live a life of purity sexually. And those are natural things that in my life needed to be cut away. And I wanted the Lord to cut away. But then as I began to mature in the Lord, and those things were no longer issues, if you know what I mean, now those things are not a part of my life. Now it's a cutting away of, here's how somebody put it. Listen carefully. Good, but unnecessary things that crowd out God. You can make sports more important than God. You make fishing, God help us, <laughs> more important than God. You can make a career more important than God. These are things that in and of themselves are not sinful, but they become sinful when they take priority. And in that way, they become idols. A person. But we won't get into that one because we'll come back. We'll hit that before we're done. Mary made a choice to cut away the good but unnecessary things that would crowd out God. She didn't allow serving the Lord to get in the way of hearing His Word and then doing it. She made worship a priority even over gifts for the poor. Even over gifts for the poor. And don't misunderstand, the text certainly does not direct us to not help the poor. But worship needs to take precedence even over good deeds like that. And then this next one. Please, please, please listen up on this next one. Mary was the kind of worshiper she was because she had a willingness to forgo all human relationships for the sake of intimacy with Jesus. Why did she break this alabaster container of this very expensive perfume? Why did she break it? For years, I didn't have the answer for that. I think I know the answer now. I like what one writer suggested, and uh, it, it sure fits. It sure fits. I believe, as one writer suggested, this was her dowry. Now, in certain cultures, even today, to get a man that's of a higher stature, if you will, character-wise and all, the greater the dowry, the better your chances of getting a good husband. Are you with me? This was her dowry. I don't have any doubt about it. She breaks this container. Why does she break it? 
Another writer suggested that the way they made and um, put together these containers in this day of this very fine material, this alabaster, the only way to get inside would be to break it. And once you broke it, now you're committed. All right. The way they would use it, from what I understand, and the culture would be, you would use this dowry, and on your wedding night, on your wedding night, one commentator suggested that that jar, that vase, that container was to be broken, and then you would, for your bridegroom, you would pour this perfume on his feet. And what you were saying in this act, what you were saying is, I am yours, completely. Till death do us part. I'm yours forever, basically. I am yours. I am yours. I thought, what insight. I don't know for sure. My impression is Mary was not married, but either way. What Mary is saying, when she breaks this alabaster container, when she pours this perfume on Jesus' feet, and what does she do? She wipes his feet with her hair. We have this phrase that I don't know where it originated, but I know what was the reason for its origination. Uh, let your hair down. You know where that originated? That originated with a woman entering into betrothal marriage to her husband. And some cultures even today, the only traditional, even legal place that you can let your hair down is in the intimacy and the privacy of that marriage relationship. That's where we get the phrase, let your hair down. She let her hair down. Now, for anybody to suggest that Mary's action was in any way sexual or immoral is on the level of blasphemy. And yet, with that said, it was intimate. It was an intimate act. And what she's in essence saying, when she breaks into that dowry and pours that expensive perfume on Jesus' feet and wipes his feet with her hair, he's saying, I'm yours. And I don't want anything or anyone to come in between the intimacy that I desire and experience with you. And how many times over the, all the years of pastoring, in ministry, I have seen a romantic relationship take priority over an intimacy with God and an intimacy with Jesus Christ. God help us. Because listen, it's a lie. It's a lie. And you may have that relationship that you desire, but if you have that relationship and it takes priority over your worship and your intimacy with Jesus Christ, you will one day, one day realize it was a mistake. It was a lie. And it was so temporary. She was willing to forgo all human relationships because she wanted intimacy with her Lord, with her Savior. Well, a couple more, and then we'll bring it in for a landing. Her act of worship was incredibly sacrificial. Got me to thinking. I mean, it got me to thinking personally. I back over my life and things I can remember about times when an act of worship was sacrificial. We're going to talk more about that, I think, next week, about things that we offer to the Lord. Next week, the focus is going to be more, and it is today too, but we're going to talk more specifically. Ephesians says, find out what pleases the Lord. 
You think about that gift giving. We're going to find out what gifts is God really pleased with. Her act of worship was sacrificial. And I thought about times, even now, when an act of worship, even when I take a portion of my paycheck and I say, Lord, I'm honoring you with this portion of the paycheck and I'm giving it to you. I do it through the church, but it's to him. And uh, most of the times these days in my life, it's really not extremely costly for me. And you know what I mean. I mean, I'm at a point in life now where uh, I have plenty left over to take care of my wife, take care of my family. But there have been times, there have been times in my life where I take that portion out of the paycheck and it didn't make sense. It didn't make sense. I didn't have enough money left over, humanly speaking, to make the budget. And yet I look back now and God has always provided. But some of those times were really, it was more of a sacrifice Mary's act was extremely sacrificial. Let me tell you a story, and then we'll give the last two points. Uh, King David, after he took the throne years later, he made a terrible mistake of several mistakes. But this mistake was he commanded his general Joab to go and count the fighting men of Israel. And it was a prideful move uh, because God had never given David victory personally or after he became king based on his own strength or the size of his army. It was always by faith in God. But Joab goes and he numbers the men and uh, David brings turmoil, really, uh, on Israel because of this prideful act. Uh, he's confronted, he repents, and God says, here's how we're going to make it right. Go to a guy named Arauna to his uh, threshing floor and there offer sacrifice. And it's interesting, the threshing floor of Arauna is where geographically Mount Calvary is located. And so he's going to the area of Mount Calvary, and certainly that suggests something. And so Arauna sees King David coming, bows before him, says, King David, uh, why are you here? David tells him he's come to sacrifice. And Arauna says, well, here, you can have the land and you can have even some animals for sacrifice. And David says, no, 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 no. I will pay you for the land and I will pay for anything I sacrifice to the Lord because I will not offer to the Lord that which costs me nothing. Mary's act was certainly that kind of act. It cost her. Worth more than a year's wages and she did it for Jesus. Well, let me give you two more. She was willing to suffer the abuse of the crowd for the accolades of the Christ, the accolades, the praise, the approval. Remember, Martha had rebuked her, her own sister, for choosing to sit at Jesus' feet instead of serving at that moment. But that still didn't cause her in this next prompting to not carry it out. And here she's rebuked by the apostles. Remember in the Gospels how many people believed in Jesus? It says even some of the Jewish leadership believed in Jesus, but they would not publicly confess their belief for fear. For fear. Pilate wouldn't release Jesus for fear and pressure of the crowd. Listen, every one of us as Christians have to come to the place where daily we make a decision that we care more about what God thinks than what anybody else thinks. Sometimes what somebody else thinks is living very closely in relationship to us. I'll tell you one more story. King David in 2 Samuel chapter 6, God 
puts him on the throne. One of the things that he's moved in his heart to do is go and recapture the Ark of the Covenant. It's been in enemy hands for years. Uh, David goes with his men. God gives him victory. They're bringing the Ark back into Jerusalem. It's a very festive worshipful time. The band is playing, people are singing, and David, prompted by the Lord, partially disrobes, takes off his robe because he wants to have the freedom to jump, to leap, to dance before the Lord. And it says he danced with all of his might. His wife was looking from their home at what he was doing. And when David gets home, she accuses him and she says, oh, you, you disrobe before all the ladies in Israel today, huh? In other words, your motive was just to disrobe partially and impress the ladies. And David says to his wife, what I did, I did as unto the Lord. And I will become even more undignified for him. And even at the criticism of his own wife, David says, look, I care more about what God thinks than about what you think. And I'll give you one last one. Mary stayed in step with the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5 says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. I pulled out of my file, I don't even know who said it, this statement. Among the tragedies of life are the times we are moved to do something fine or noble and we do not do it. Instead, we yield to common sense or the busyness of life. I added my own or the fear of the crowd. Mary was a worshiper and she really was prompted by the Holy Spirit. And when she was prompted by the Holy Spirit, she would act. She got rebuked by her own sister. She got rebuked by the apostles. But it did not deter her. It didn't stop her. And it did not intimidate her because she longed more for the praise of God than she did for the praise of men. I want to close reading at the end of this wonderful little book, two little sections. Worship is our response, both personal and corporate, to God for who He is and what He has done, expressed in and by the things we say and the way we live. And he closes out this way, and I hope you'll hear this. Most of my life, I thought that you went to church to worship. But now I see that the better approach is to go worshiping to church. Trust me, church is a lot better when our meetings are filled with people who have been pursuing God for six days before they get there. Church as a refill or a tank up is a disaster. Corporate worship works best when we arrive was something to offer God, as opposed to coming only to get something for us. Church is supposed to be a celebration of our personal journeys with God since we were last together. Imagine what would happen if each person in the congregation was seeking the face of God throughout the week. Some would encounter sorrow. Others, major happiness. But all would have a story to tell of God's faithfulness in good times and bad. What would happen if we came worshiping to church, filled with an awareness of his presence before we reached the door. Well, for one, the worship leader's job would be a lot easier. And the intensity of our collective offering would be full on. Can you see it? 
all of our personal streams of worship flowing into one surging river, one mighty anthem, a beautiful mosaic, telling an even greater story of who God is and what he's done. People leave a gathering like that inspired to seek him as never before, and they come back again bringing worship with them. We're so thankful to be able to share God's Word with you on The Living Word with Pastor Danny Hodges. We've been journeying through Christian basics together, learning what it is to be forgiven and how important it is to stay focused on Jesus. If you'd like to hear today's message again or more from Pastor Danny, visit ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Resources tab. We'd also like to invite you to join us in our Bible reading plan. This is a great way to get into the Word every day, and reading God's Word is so important. You can find out more under the Resources tab at ccfstpete.church. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to take a moment to ask you to partner with us in prayer here on The Living Word. Prayer is such a powerful tool, and it helps us to remain in steady conversation with the Lord. Here on The Living Word, we hope to always teach the Word in order to reach the world. We know that it's easy to get lost in fear and doubt, especially in the world today. But when you seek the Lord first, the days look a bit lighter and the enemy loses his foothold on our lives. If you're listening today and you're wrestling with your faith, take heart. This world is not your final home. Keep seeking and keep praying. Don't lose faith. Thanks for praying and for tuning in today. Join us next time as Pastor Danny continues teaching through Christian basics right here on The Living Word.